Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, BSB OT, games three and four versus the New Jersey Devils, 1994 Eastern Conference Finals. Last week we did games one and two. Gregory and I are back to recap, at least or to react rather, to games three and four. Gregory, how are uh, you? Oh, punching the mic. I'm good. Punching the well, mic. I, I, hit, I hit the table that the mic was on. Not okay. my fault. Okay. <laughs> I can't control my own hands. I don't know what to tell you. That's fair. Um, before we get into the games, there are, I have two talking points. I would like to go over. I'm here for it. Uh, first, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how Kevin Lowe literally got elected to the NHL Hall of Fame. 30 today. minutes ago. Congratulations, Kevin Lowe. Yeah, it's it's interesting going back and watching these games because when you think of 94, obviously, first and foremost, you think of Brian Leach. And then the secondary thought most people have, I think, is Sergei Zubov and everything that happened afterwards. And then I, I would even say... Jeff Bukaboom gets mentioned a lot more than Kevin Lowe does. I think that's because Bukaboom is like still part of MSG. I would, I, I think so. I, but I, I think he was also just a fan favorite. Like I, five-year-old Greg remembers the name Jeff Bukaboom. I don't remember the name Kevin Lowe until we started looking closer at 1994. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do think Lowe is emerging as one of the more important figures on this team. Not necessarily. I, I mean, look. He's the third best defenseman on this team, I think firmly behind both Leach and Zubov. But a lot of what Kevin Lowe does allows what Sergei Zubov does at even strength. He was quite simply the elder statesman defensively, but it it's not the elder statesman. And, you know, when the New York Mets go out and trade for someone like Robinson Cano because he's got veteran leadership, it's Robinson Cano is a shadow of the type of player he was in his prime. He's still quite good, but he's not I – don't, I don't even know if he's quite good anymore. He's just a shadow of himself. But Kevin Lowe was probably 85 90, 90% as effective as a New York Ranger as he was in his prime with the Edmonton Oilers probably. And he's um, – during this year, he's 34 years old. The, the game yeah, so it's – yeah, it's, it's not like – For those following along at home, point. that's two years older than Mark Stahl. There you go three years older than us bro think about that oh that's uh (laughs) (laughs) but when the rangers went out and signed someone like dan boyle they were hoping to get someone like kevin lowe 
not necessarily the same play styles, but they were hoping an older veteran defenseman who was close enough to the production he was giving in his prime that it would help your defense in a deep cup run. Now, Dan Boyle wasn't that kind of player, but I think we should give kudos to Kevin Lowe. He didn't need to be this team's best defenseman. Uh, He wasn't, but this team won a Stanley Cup because a lot of key players did what the team needed them to do. And I think Kevin Lowe, without him, I don't know. He's no, one I, of those I, I think somehow this that I don't think you could take away. Somehow this Rangers defense, which is gonna, I'm gonna say this is gonna sound crazy, okay? But like Brian Leach is incredible, no doubt about it. Zubov, we've grown to even even respect even more. But like the whole defense of unit, like just between the forwards and the defensive unit, like this team is legit on defense. It's hard for the Devils to create shots in a lot of these games, and you see that in just even the shot shot attempts. Like it's tough for them, and yet. Um, I just don't think somehow we don't. I, I don't think we talk about this as like an all time great defense, but they, they kind of are. They're they're really really good. And Jeff Lowe is. And what what is makes part of it that. what makes it even more special is again. Oh, Kevin Lowe. Sorry, we, I said Jeff. Yeah, Bukabu. I don't know who's Jeff Lowe. It's Bookaboom and uh. There you go. There. You go. Oh, you combine the two of them. Good yes. for you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but the thing to remember is Mike Keenan, for whatever reason, is just not playing a third pairing defense. Like Karpatsev and Jay Wells, they see the ice, but they're seeing like less than 10 minutes a night. It's crazy. In game four, which we'll get to later. Again, it, we've seen David Quinn give some really low ice times to the fourth line. It's real easy to realize that Craig McTavish basically doesn't play at all in game four. And neither does anybody else on the fourth line. Uh, but we'll get there. It's just, it's it's even more important to realize what Kevin Lowe did for that 94 team because Mike Keenan leaned on his top four defenseman more than any NHL coach would lean on his top four defenseman today. So it's kudos, kudos to Kevin Lowe. I, I'm not as uh, deep into the hockey knowledge of the 1980s and before that, that other people are, I guess I've spent all my ancient sports knowledge on baseball. Um, So I don't know if it's necessarily deserving. It seems like a lot of people were happy for Kevin Lowe. So yeah, big time Edmonton, but, uh, person from 1979. A yeah, lot of won six cups. A lot of cups. Yeah, he won six cups. Yeah. When the NHL is a league that 110% values how many cups you won, Kevin Lowe's got six. So I guess it it's not on accident. That Finished he won in Nor- six Norris cups. voting he four times. Top 10 Norris voting yeah, four not, times. It, to me, it seems like he's deserving, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know everything that goes into the Hockey Hall of Fame voting, but good for Kevin Lowe. Just wanted to give him the shout out here because he, the first four games, I come to appreciate Kevin Lowe a lot more than I ever did. And the second point I wanted to bring up, and I brought this up on Twitter last well, night. One more thing about Kevin Lowe before we move on from him. Sorry. Yeah. He has one year coaching in Edmonton at age 40. Single year. That's it. They, they have 88 points that year. They go 32 and 26. He never coaches again. Not sure why. And uh, an absolute Iron Man. Other than the, the lockout year, 94-95, his lowest game total in his entire career, he played till he was 37 pretty much, uh, is 49 games. That's insane. What a, that's, that is insane. That guy is an Iron Man. All right, move on. Uh, you mentioned sure. on Twitter last night. Yes. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about what it took to bring Esetikin into the New York Rangers mm-hmm. and then everything that happened when he left. So when the New York Rangers traded for Tikkanen, they didn't really have someone they were confident with in that middle six at center. 
they had it's a one for one trade at the 1993 trade deadline and it's Esatikin in for Doug Waite and Doug Waite in his own right goes on to have either a Hall of Fame career or near Hall of Fame career I think two years after the he had 40 points the article I read yesterday in the New York Times from the trade in 1993 Doug Waite was tethered to the fourth line for whatever reason um it's not fully explained just that he's a 22 year old center at the time that was developing and couldn't get more minutes off of the fourth line still had 40 points and 15 goals with the Rangers on the fourth line in about 60 games, <laughs> something you would never see today from a fourth line center. Uh, but the Rangers were convinced that they needed someone like Tikkanen, a, a defensive minded center who in his own right, I mean, no slouch as to Tikkanen offensively. I think he had 55 points in 1994 and he played a big role with the Rangers. He was on the number one penalty kill um, with, with Messier at, or Graves, whoever he happened to line up with. Mm-hmm. And he was clearly the Rangers' number two center. And while Sergei Nemchinov had a couple good years with the Rangers, his career kind of tanked shortly after the 94 run. So Tikkanen's place on the Rangers is important. But Doug Waite is so special. The second year after the Rangers trade, I think he had 74 points. The year after that, he had 104 points. Mm. It's it's crazy to think about what the New York Rangers could have looked like if they didn't make that trade because you would have had a young center playing middle six minutes behind Marc Messier, could have been the heir apparent to Messier as he progressed in his career. It's a hard one to go back and say, well, the Rangers shouldn't have done that because, again, we can't understate how important Tikkanen was. And I think the second most intriguing thing here is the Rangers essentially did make up for trading Doug Waite with Essa Tikkanen because in 1995, they traded Tikkanen again and got Peter Nedved back. So it's, they got their young forward back for Tikkanen. It's almost like they brought him in on loan and then turned him into another young forward. But the thing that makes it frustrating and brings us back to Sergei Zubov is of course the Rangers trade Zubov and Nedved shortly after the 95 season both of them their careers explode and the new york rangers don't do a whole lot of anything so it's (laughs) it's 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 tough it i i can't imagine the 1994 rangers without esetikinen but i can't get over the fact that this team could have looked so much different for so many years had they kept doug weight at the same time i think you can say that trading weight was justified by then acquiring Nedved, but that brings us back to the deal that haunts many people where the Rangers trade Nedved and Zubov for Robitaille and Samuelson and set their franchise back for at least 10 years. Like it's, yep. it's, it's tough. It's a tough one. I, I, obviously every great team, you, you don't go back and not make the trade, right? Because you, the trade you, you, made, you won the cup, but you, cup. exactly. But uh, right. they, there are, there are complications. They, it just every, it is. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, right? Like maybe if you just sat still, like they were trying to make moves to make this team better to, to continue with a cup run and maybe make one more. But you've seen this all time and time again with championship teams. Like what if Kevin uh, Kevin Love and, and Clay Thompson's that if that trade happens, like that was on the table, then the Golden State Warriors don't win all these titles. In this case, or do they win all the titles anyway? And it's just a different looking team. Yeah, like it's, maybe it's it's a butterfly effect that doesn't have a firm answer we can give, which is part of the reason why it's so fun to talk about because I can sit here and say that a core of just imagine a core of Richter and Goal, and then you have Messier, Graves, Wait, Zubov, Leach, Bukaboom, <laughs> and that's like your core seven 
right there. And you're trying to build around that edge. I can sit here and tell you right now, that team probably wins multiple cups. There's no way of us to prove it. And there's no way to guarantee that the New York Rangers would have won in 1994 without Essa It's just, it's always fascinating to go back and look at, all right, what are exactly the moves that were made to create this team? And I, we're going to get into it in just a minute, because I got to tell you, Glenn, Anderson's a fucking bum. I hope he's. If he, there's ever like he a does guy that have listens, one good moment. I mean, in I did. He had one good moment. I think that's gonna be the only moment we see for the rest. He's a bum. <laughs> he, I just it, just going back and thinking that this team could have easily had Gartner. Like that that deal's not even a long term move. Gartner was on the other half of his prime and was still putting up points. There was just no reason to make that deal, and Neil Smith made that deal. It. But it's the the younger guy moves is interesting. Doug Wade went, like I said, near Hall of Fame career, if not one day getting in the Hall of Fame himself. If he sticks around, the Rangers are definitely a different team. And again, it's just you would think that the window would have more longevity. But of course, there's also the other deal that never went through that Doug Wade would have been a part of. And that's the Eric Lindros trade. And if Eric Lindros is on this team, how different is that deal? So very it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting layer of the onion to peel off. I just the the, the most frustrating thing is again, you you give up the young piece for Tikkanen, but then you get the young piece for Tikkanen on the tail end, and you just fuck it up twice. And that's the part that really grinded my gear. Fuck it up twice is such a rager like slogan. Like yeah, it's so just, it, but it's so twice. hard to do. It's Nedved the year after the Rangers traded Nedved ninety nine points. Like it's utterly <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> How many Rangers have scored 99 points since? Uh, Yager, Panarin. Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Gabrick had a 90 points. I think he came close, but I'm not sure. I know it was the 40 goals, but I don't think it was 90 points. Um, yeah, I'll pull, I'll pull, I'll pull right. it up as you want. All right. So uh, a couple – one other point I want to make before we actually get to the games, and I, I think we'll just break down our reactions to the games and kind of go through period by period, at least at what we were thinking as, as this was going on. Gabrick had 86, 86 points. Okay, so okay, didn't get first there. year with the Rangers. Um, game uh, Game three is obviously incredibly exciting. And before I get to actual game three, do you know what makes game three so exciting? Other than Gary uh, Thorne? yes, oh my god! So he's so good. It's I unbelievable, fucking him, dude. dude I fucking miss him. What a waste the Baltimore Orioles are doing to that man. I don't see that. I, Someone I, – I tweeted about Gary Thorne last night as uh-huh. well, and someone made the comment that he's being wasted in Baltimore. I would make the argument that he's not being wasted. I think Gary Thorne does high comedy with the Orioles that he wouldn't be able to do with other great teams. I, there, are like, some, there are some really good videos of when the Baltimore Orioles are sucking and he's calling it. It's Or just <laughs> anytime Glaber Torres takes the Orioles deep, Gary Thorne is just like – you can't console him. He's like, why – are we pitching to this guy? It's amazing. <laughs> I, I don't like, I, yes, I want Gary Thorne doing more national broadcasts, but I, I think I would tune in the Oriole games just to hear Gary Thorne. I don't care if the Orioles lose 11 to one. I think Thorne would make that. game. Gary fun. makes this series like so ridiculously good. It is. It, it's almost, there's a point where the, uh, I think it was, who is it? Bill Guerin. So Bill Guerin yes. has a breakaway uh, in game. Game three or game four? Game four. Game three. No, game three. He scores in game four, but he has a breakaway in game three that Richter puts the kibosh on and Thorne oh, loses his mind. Correct, but there's also the, the breakaway that Garen scores on in game four where he goes and, like, deeks him and then puts it topside on a backhand. And uh, Gar- uh, Thorne's just like, Bill 
Garen! And I was like, oh, man, I'm kind of excited for the Devils. <laughs> yeah, as, as, as we're talking about this, it's important because other people will point this out if we don't mention it as well. Mm -hmm. He does botch the Matteau Game 7 call from what everyone says. Okay. He, said, he basically says something along the lines of, the Rangers don't have to think about 1940 anymore, even though they hadn't won the Stanley Cup yet. Okay. So it's... People, people are upset about that. All right. Call, well, I have one other line. I forgive him. I have one other line from uh, from Gary Thor that I thought was a little questionable because <laughs> it was just a classic sportscaster line that I really love. There was a lot of those in these, but it says, "There's no worse outcome for the Rangers than to lose to this Devils team." Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, "Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I guess you're right. I, like, I get, I get what he's trying to say, but yeah. it's it's kind of like a Magic Johnson tweet come yeah. to, come to life." Uh, it's also it's also funny. I, we can get into game three now. Mm -hmm. And I know we're going to start with the ending and work our way backwards here. It just cracked me up that Thorne and Bill Clement are like, Stefan Mateau is not going to score a bigger goal in the rest of his life. It's and I was like, so Buddy. funny. Like, it just in, in total, like, history. Because it's not only that, but Mateau is, like, the one of the only people that plays really well in game four. Like, he's... <laughs> What, they they put him on the top line like and he scored the only Ranger goal exactly and it's like this he's never gonna score a bigger goal in his life and he he really doesn't have a better better series in the rest of his career but these yeah. couple games Mateau is one of the best players in the ice it's not even close uh my favorite that that call's great because the two of them are convinced they're like this guy no chance he ever scores anything like this again and also I don't know if you saw but in the replay they showed of Mateau jumping up and down on the ice at the end of game three. You just see Claude Lemieux skate by him and just hurl his stick into the corner. I saw that. Like a like a disgusted toddler. I still think I hate Claude Lemieux cream. like the most out of any of these devils. I have to say though, this devil's team uh, is like- Stefan, Stefan Richet, I, I've had enough. Richet is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've terrible. had enough of this prick. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, the, this team is, it's, it's a really fun rivalry. I, and I guess now's the time to say like, listen, I knew Brodor was good, and I watched Brodor, but in Game 3, like, uh, Mike Richter only faces 31 shots against. Brodor faces 50, and they're both phenomenal, and Richter makes, I think, some better quality saves than Brodor, but Brodor is a, a rookie, and he's playing out of his fucking mind. He's It's already so evident how good he is so early in his career. You could tell, like, as the Rangers, like, this guy's going to be a problem for the rest of our lives. Like, he's never going anywhere. And it, it, he shows his skills exclusively in Game 3 when he saves uh, 50, uh, takes 50 shots against and only has three goals in. I mean, it's, it's quite, a, quite a performance. Yeah. It, as I love making fun of Brodeur. Same. I'm never going to stop making fun of Brodeur, especially since he literally did it to himself. Mm -hmm. All he had to do was not marry within the same family twice. It's, yeah. Then I, it'd be hard for me to make fun of him. Uh, but thank God for Uncle Daddy. He's he's great in game three. And it's honestly the only reason the Rangers. I will say game three. It was like seeing a great white Buffalo in real life because Brian Leach just whiffed on an open net on the power play in like the second period. He did. I I'd never thought I'd see something like that in my life. But then in same Brian Leach, not even five minutes later, is just a maestro leading to the Rangers second goal. So it's. You know, it's hard to stay angry at that guy. He, Brian Leach, he's special, man. Leach he's has, like the special. Leach has a, a little bit of a tough game four, but so does everybody else. So the Rangers had three shots in the first period. Unbelievable stuff. Lucky, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll All right, get so let's, there, do, let's do this the right way. So game three starts. If you want to go to game three, 
or any of the games at uh, the Devils Arena, you have to buy a package to the uh, Stanley Cup Championship. So they're trying to prevent Ranger fans from going. And yep. there's still a... Cr- and this is... We, we should... We should... This is before the era of... StubHub. This and- is like the only way you get in is either a scalp ticket, and most of those are fake. Like there's no StubHub. There's yep. no TickPick. Mm-hmm. There's no SeatGeek. The there's no way for you to get these seats yep. unless you buy them in advance or you know a guy. And there's a lot of Ranger fans of this game, like a ton. Um, I would say I would say it's about seventy thirty, Devils fans to Rangers. I agree, but it, when the game ends and the Rangers win in second overtime, uh, you, the Ranger fans are incredibly loud. Just New Yorkers loud. Yeah, no, hmm, hmm. that can't be. So Adam Graves comes into this game, uh, and the Rangers c- kind of continue like of the scoring early. Adam Graves scores an early goal with two minutes and forty three seconds into the game, assisted by Mark Messier. And then the game kind of from there slows down. Uh, the Devils score back uh, with an assist from Randy McKay. And then the second period happens. Then Larmer scores. Then uh, Zelipukin scores. And then Gregory, nothing. Nothing happens again till the end of the second period. And during that time, it's just straight, um, like, really, like, not rough hockey, but it's both goalies are making outstanding saves. There's so many opportunities to score for both like for absolutely both teams. I think we talked about Glenn Anderson earlier um, and how he pretty much does nothing. But there's one play that I, I, I took a note down. Richter makes like a like a, one save and then loses it. And then another shot comes where he like throws his legs up in the air and blocks it. And Richter like falls out of the crease for the goal. Then the puck slowly is, is falling in front of the uh, front of the net itself. And Glenn Anderson in the only shining moment I've seen so far comes and clears the puck while there's two devils chasing him. That is the only Glenn Anderson highlight I have, but that's... But he, he did He did score a goal in game two. Fair. Fair. And they, they, uh, that, that's when they were like, hey, we're, that's where he is. We found him. Yeah, but I would also just like to point out that Glenn Anderson... I, I talked about Leach missing an open net. Glenn Anderson's whiff actually offended me. Like, to my core. It was in the first overtime. I'm watching it happen. Brodeur is completely out of position. And Glenn Anderson would, is just like, you know what would be funny? If I don't put this in the net, be hilarious. And it, as soon as it happened, I just remember looking at it. And it it almost took away the goal he scored in the second game. It eliminated anything he'd ever done that was good in his entire career. It made it just viscerally. If that happened in real time and I was my age now watching that go down, understanding the stakes at play, I would have – I you inconsolable. I might have hunted him down if the Rangers <laughs> lost that game and taken him out. It's just, it's, it's so brutal and seriously offensive. Like I'm offended that he didn't score there. So uh, Nemchinov is someone I actually have a couple notes about here. Um, I thought he had a ridiculously monster first overtime period. There's one point where he's just bleeding out of his eye and uh, Gary Thorne goes, yeah, he's over the bench. Yep. He's still bleeding. Yeah, they're trying to get him get him back into the game, and uh, I, the took, NHL has no back. rules against blood in blood on the ice. Where as baseball and football do, so he's coming right back in. And I was like, no, what? It, it's it. Well, what really took me back is what Thorne talked about. He's just like, yeah, every other league has a bleeding protocol because of the AIDS crisis, and I was just like, holy shit, it's 1994. I forgot it's, about that. Yeah, we man. would never talk about that. To, like, there there are plenty of health reasons why you shouldn't be on the on an NBA floor, MLB field or NHL ice while you're bleeding. But I don't think anyone these days would just 
bring up AIDS as the number one reason. And Thorne said it so casually and matter-of-factly that I was like, oh, oh, it's 1994. That's right. I forgot about that. Interesting. It's it was so strange. It's like, yeah, he's going right back out there. So he takes the he takes the face off, still bleeding. And then you mentioned Glenn Anderson missing an open net. There's a one point where uh, I always mess his name up, even though I just said it. Nem- Nemchinov Nemchinov? goes. Yeah, Nemchinov goes to goes to the net like pretty hard, and the the Devils don't box him out, and he gets the gets the puck like, almost in the top of his stick and fumbles it, and ha- would have had a clear goal, and you could see like he's like, oh man. I, if I were to score there, this game is over. And I thought he was actually the best forward for the Rangers in that first overtime, which sounds crazy. But he was everywhere. He was winning almost every faceoff. He was creating a lot of offense and was was just out there being a brute at the same time. Uh, and I, I got to give a lot of credit to him because I, it's a player I didn't know a lot about before these series, but I, I he was really impressive, at least in this game. Yeah, and Nemchinov is interesting to bring up because he's – I think part of the reason why the Rangers felt that they could trade Doug Waite for Esatikinen, because he, he played the majority of his career in the USSR before Russians were allowed to come over to the NHL. Doesn't come over to the NHL until he's 28 years old in the 1991 season. Mm-hmm. And his first three years with the Rangers puts up 58 points, 54 points, and then 49 points. And I think the Rangers felt like they had a solid one, two, three down the middle with Nemchinov, with uh, Messier, Tikhanin, and Nemchinov. And it, it's it's just, it's too bad he didn't get to come over sooner because his career just falls off literally the table after 1994. And it's, it, it's, it's not a good road for him production-wise from there. And it's a bit of a shame, but I, he's probably one of the unsung heroes for the Rangers in this series because he does seem to be everywhere. And it's also, I guess it's important to bring up because it happens in game three, but we feel the effect in game four. They Bernie Nichols gets suspended after game three, and I'm assuming it's because he tried to blind Alexei Kovalev in the corner. I'm pretty sure that was he, it. We see Kovalev with one of the biggest welts I've ever seen on anyone's face. Uh, they don't they don't ever show the hit again, really, but it makes you think why Nichols got suspended, and that's the only thing that came to mind for me. It's also worth noting that Jeff Bukovum has a pretty nasty knee-on-knee hit with Bobby Carpenter pretty early in the first period. It's one of those hits where in 1994 it definitely wasn't dirty because it doesn't look like Buku Boom sticks his leg out. But in the NHL today, that kind of hit, there's no way Buku Boom doesn't get a game misconduct and doesn't face some kind of disciplinary action just because that type of play is so discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting seeing that. And no one – let me put it this way. It didn't look intentional, but it wasn't clean either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. And it's, I, that's just, but that's how the whole game is kind of played where it doesn't, none of them seem like in, well, there are some that seem intentional, but the whole thing is just, <laughs> it's just rough. It cracks me up. How many times Messier is just blatantly hooking and he's like <laughs> daring referees to call him for the penalty because he's Mark fucking Messier. Like He's he's challenging every referee. He does get a hook to in the, make a call in the third period of this game. <laughs> yeah, he it's it's not even subtle. If a guy gets one step on him, Messier's stick is in someone's armpit trying to physically hold him back. So it just it cracks me up. It finally shows that, this game he gets a high sticking and a hooking. Yeah, but it's I I love it. It's ballsy, dude. He's Mark Messier. You want to call a penalty on the captain of the New York Rangers, one of the biggest stars in the league? Fucking do it. But I bet you won't. 
and he's just challenging these refs every game. They do at one point um, say Mark Messier has a job to take rights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Gary Gary Thorne because apparently Claude Lemieux just clocks him with a straight right at one point. He, yes, he goes. And Gary Thorne's like, "No, nah, you can't knock him out. Look at that face. That he's face like that jaw chiseled. was meant to take right uh, take rights." He has maybe the cleanest jaw in the NHL and one of the best jaws I've ever seen. And I was like, Gary. I love Gary. I just, I love Gary Thorne. <laughs> Fucking thirsty Gary Thorne. It's incredible. I would pay big money for Gary Thorne to do NHL playoff games and MLB playoff games because he's got Gary Thorne just secretly has some of the best calls. He was calling the 2006 game one Mets Dodgers, where for some reason Jeff Kent and JD Drew got thrown out at the plate at the exact same time. Like it's, it's one of those plays that when it's happening, you just wish someone great is calling it, and it's Gary Thorne. It's beautiful, poetic even. So the game goes into overtime. Like I, I said, and MGNOV, I believe, has the, like a crazy first period. Everything's back and forth. The whole thing is sort of chaotic. And the whole yeah. game, the whole game even, even the Mateau goal at the end, it's like a mosh pit in front of the net. Everyone's sort of scrambling. Everyone's taking these like kind of pot shots at – at Bro- uh, wow, that was really weird. Uh, Brodeur, I don't know why that just destroyed my brain for a second. Marty, Uncle Daddy, and they're they're all just taking these weird tiny little shots, and then all of a sudden it gets away, it hits Mateau's stick, and he scores and does the jump up and down, and the game is over. And in a shock, the New Jersey Devils leave the ice, and there's some cheering, and there's a lot of sort of silence from the Devils fans, and then we move on to game four. I mean, the game well, in general— I just want to— the last thing I want to bring up in game three, because mm-hmm. it's a conversation the announcers have that, again, just wouldn't happen today. Gary Thorne and Bill Clement are openly talking to each other in the first overtime about how it's a near certainty Mart Hanbro Durr will not play in game four because it's another overtime game and he already played a two overtime game in game one. Mm-hmm. Like just a ridiculous conversation to be having about arguably the devil's best player in this series up until this point. Uh, like imagine a scenario where Hank plays two double overtime games in the first three games of the series and the Rangers are down two games to one and the announcers being like, well, I doubt Henrik Lundqvist plays game four now. What? Yeah. <laughs> that conversation just would never happen. Again. How? Bredoro was the best player on the ice. I mean, I know he faced 50 shots and let three in, uh, in that, in that game, but what, what are we talking about here? He was insane the whole game. There's no way. He's your best shot to win. Why are you not going to play him? And by the way, Brodeur shows up, and so does the Devils' defense in Game 4. Big time. Um, I will say, going into Game 4, storylines that were being talked about a lot, and I think it's fair. Scott Stevens is having a really terrible series. I don't like using plus-minus to show that a player is playing They poorly, do have like a the whole segment about plus-minus. Yeah, minus. the announcers were forcing it down your throat that Scott Stevens, after three games, was minus three. And I know part of it is that, you know, Stevens is constantly facing Messier and Graves and he, and Leach and just getting no help whatsoever defensively. At the same time, Scott Stevens was viewed as the type of caliber defenseman where he should be having more success against those guys and he just wasn't having it. So I think that's a storyline. And another thing I think is interesting, the name Scott Niedermeyer is not getting brought up at all in this series. And I know that he is one of the stars of this era of – uh, devil's hockey so it's it's just very interesting to me that throughout the first couple games he is a firm afterthought and this is a guy he never put up huge point numbers but he I, I feel like 
always viewed as one of the most dynamic players the Devils have had. And the fact that just not getting any mention as a defenseman in this series, I always found interesting. I guess looking at his hockey reference page, he has his big breakout in the late 90s. But I don't know. He was still pretty good and young in those early years. So the fact that no one's bringing him up is just very interesting to me. Agree. Um, So this game, there's a lot less to talk about because, frankly, it's pretty one-sided. But even even with the one-sidedness of it, the Rangers stick in the game. So the Devils score two goals in the first period. Bill Guerin, a breakaway goal to put them up 2-0. I already talked about where Gareth Thorne gets even me excited about this. Then Mateau, somehow, from Mark Messier, scores in the second period. And the Rangers... Well, you, you, I think you're skipping over a big thing because this game's basically over after the first. And right. I know that the Rangers I know I, hung I, around for a while. I was going to get to that but, after I got it. But yeah, you go ahead. No, I, I, think, I think you got to focus on the first period because a couple things happened in the first that kind of blow your mind. We, we mentioned the fact that the Rangers had three shots in the first period. Miserable. They came out dead. There's no other way to explain it. It, it They were dead. They had no energy in their legs. The second thing is Keenan pulls Mike Richter in the first period. After the second After, goal, the Bill Guerin goal. And it's not like Richter has been given up cheap goals on a low number of shots. I think he gave up the second goal after facing his 11th or 12th shot. And it was so a, it was a breakaway, and Garen made an excellent move. It's not like yeah, he beat Richter he just, clean. It, I just, it's a 2-0 game. The Rangers hang around in this game even longer. They don't give up the third goal until the third period. It's not like Glenn Healy comes in and do, does a poor job, but it sure did feel like Keenan was throwing the white flag up super early in a game where if the Rangers won, they would be up three games to one. Not only that, it's uh, there's one point where uh, Gary starts saying like, uh, "Hey, he's playing his bangers and grinders out there, and that's all he's doing." And the Rangers are still, I mean, he they 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 pan to Brian Leach, and they're like, "Yeah, you could tell Brian Leach he's pissed off for being on the bench that long. He wants to be out there, but he's not getting playtime. And it, this is a coach's decision. He's making the choice to sit his players, and I." I find it strange that this was the game we wanted to make like the hockey point i can't argue with the results because the rangers end up winning the series and then the cup but to sit these players to i I don't it doesn't seem like he's giving them rest it seems like he's trying to punish them for coming out flat and trying to get them to come out better later in the game but that just never happens it just never goes on and i don't blame glenn healy i don't i didn't see it as punishment especially when it comes to richter i think it looked like Keenan understood that his team had played two double overtime games, mm-hmm. had owned game two, and won a marathon in game three, had a two-game-to-one lead, and he could kind of use game four as a way to ease his players into what would become a pivotal game five tied 2-2. To me, it felt like Keenan was waving the white, white flag. It. It, it didn't feel like – the Rangers did come out flat, and I'm sure he would say something along the lines of, I was trying to send a message to the team – you don't send a message in the playoffs. If you're coming out flat, you just have to skate through it. It kind of felt like he thought his players were tired and he was just trying to buy them an afternoon off. It, that's what it felt like to me. It seemed that way, but the Rangers stay in the game. They fight and grind and they use a lot. I, I, they use a lot of like what it, what it would be called the fourth liners and third liners or grit and grinders like Tekken is out there a lot. Uh, uh, Nemchi, Nemchi, I don't know what Nemchinov. I don't know why it was stutter on that one Nemchinov's out there a lot like a lot of the top line players aren't out there and I wish we had the actual times on ice we don't have them unfortunately 
because um, they weren't recording it. But it did seem like he was sitting a lot of his top players as I was watching the game. And Brodor only faces 22 shots against this game, only lets one in, and pretty much has a night off. Like, the Devils play tremendous defense, and then by the third period, uh, 13 minutes in, uh, Zelipukin scores, and that's the end of the game. Like, the Rangers know at that point. Uh, they even say, like, hey, at the end of the game, there's the time's winding down. The Rangers know they're going to have another two games at least to play in this series. And that, that's all it is. The, the, it looks like the Rangers didn't have energy in their legs. Looks like they were a little worn down. And I know that the the next the next next week we'll be doing games five and six. But I have to tell you, I accidentally watched, uh, not knowingly, watched like half of game five. And game five is brutal. It is brutal. The Rangers get dismantled. Yeah, I, and I, I will say this. Watching game four, it was a boring game. Like, I don't think we have to sugarcoat it. Nope. It, not only do the Rangers come out flat, but for large swaths of this game, there's just not a whole lot happening. I think at the end of the second period, the shots are 18 Devils, 14 Rangers. So no one's really doing a whole lot offensively to keep you super keyed in on the game. It's it's, it's just a, a lot bad of, game from the Rangers from start to finish. Traps and hitting and no yeah, breakaways. It's, 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 it's a bad game. The Devils do just enough to win it, and they win it. Like, they're the... They're the deserved winner of this game for sure. The Rangers put up an absolute stinker. And Keenan, like I said, sure felt like he was kind of trying to get his players wet, rested for the battle to come. But it's it's a bummer. Um, the, the Gary Thorne note that I think happened in the game is they start talking about, uh, like, <laughs> the the cooling chambers that the Canucks have that they swear by is helping their players rest more. And at some point, Al Morganti is trying to say how NHL players, the, they don't use the oxygen masks like Emmett Smith does because oh, it, yes. they've done the studies to prove that it doesn't work. I wanted to talk I'm about I'm sitting this. there just like, you, are you sure? I Googled it. Positive in that. And it has mild effects. <laughs> but it, like, I don't think the NBA players and NFL players are just doing it for show. Like there's a benefit to doing it. But it's, it was just funny because, like, Thorne brings up how the Canucks have this big hyperbolic chamber, $17,000 hyperbolic chamber. Yeah, and it's just it's just funny to me that this is the conversation we're having where they're, <laughs> the two tough hockey players are once again, now oh, we don't need oxygen on the bench. We're not like those pussies in the well, NFL. Well, that's why you don't see we the don't need it. That's why you don't see the oxygen on the bench because these guys aren't pussies. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it's just, it's just like, <laughs> what? I just... I just it, it cracked me up. It really did. It, it made me laugh. It, it was bit. funny. I just love like, the ple- I love the hockey players. So tough crowd is one of the best. Please, really one of the best. Please like my sport. I, it was, I was like, you know, Keenan has these guys riding bikes before and after the games. Like why? <laughs> <laughs> the cardio and the skating wasn't enough for your, for your star players. Yeah. Oh, it, okay. it, cra- it utterly, it utterly cracked me up. That one, that one's great. But yeah, this entire series is making me love Gary Thorne even more. Incredible. I just, that dude's perfection, and I hope he comes back to the national stage shortly. Do you? I, I, I'll ask you on air. Do for Game Seven? Do you want to try and get Ricky on? Carbonello? Yeah. I'll think about I it. I mean, we could. I'm, I'm sure he's available. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm unless, sure. He's got, unless he's got to mow the lawn, I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure he's I'm around. Sure he's available. That'd be fun. Uh, so next week we got the Mateau game, and oh no, no, we don't have the Mateau game. Next week we have the Messier guarantee game, 
which I still have to find. If you have the recording of it, I have. Some. Oh, hold on. I think I have it for you. Nice. I can forward you something. That's awesome. I'll do it. This is great podcasting. Me great. talking. Great job. To I'll, you as I'll, I look. I will link. close this up. Um, next week we'll do a Mattel game. Uh, sorry again, Mattel game is game seven, and then Messi a Garatini game next week, and then two weeks from uh, three weeks from now we'll start the Vancouver series, which I know very little about comparatively. Um, that's it for today's episode. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you did like, etc. And we'll maybe take any of that consideration. Love you guys. Bye. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.